Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneur Speak with your favorite coach, Coach Tamika James. I am here today with Miss KC Langley. I want you guys to meet her because she has an amazing story. She's had an interesting life and she's going to tell you more about that and also what's going on now. So without further ado, I'd like my, my guests to introduce themselves. So Casey, you have the floor. All right. Hi, you guys. My name is Casey Langley. I currently reside in North Carolina. I am the author of the book, Heavenly the Hero, which is a tell-all story about my son and his fight with childhood cancer. Um, I am a wife and I am a mother of four. And I'm currently um, in the process of getting ready to move to the Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, Outside of, you know, being a wife and an author and a mother, I'm just a homebody. Um, I'm a housewife. So, um, yeah, I just, um, <clears throat> that's me. <laughs> All right. That's me. Oh, mm -hmm. that's cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, I want everyone to know I like to keep my interviews nice and casual because we're just having a good old conversation and you guys are just joining us. Mm -hmm. So. All right, Casey. Listen, let's start tell let's start talking about some of your life. I mean, you've had an interesting life. Um, some things have occurred that I'm sure you never could have imagined. If you could have sat down and, and written a book, which you have, about how things have gone, would you have even been able to put any of this in the book? No. <laughs> no not at I don't all. think I don't think so. Um, it, like you said, there's a lot of things that happen in my life that is in my book. Like, um, when I, like I said, I have four kids and my youngest son, Ashton, when he was two months old, um, I was living in Farmville and a tornado came through and three trees fell into my house. Um, and me and my kids had to be rushed to the hospital so I've been through quite a lot in my book. That chapter is called um, God Kept Us Covered. You will know, you know, to all my readers, you will know everything. Uh, the role Ahmad played with um, that situation. But that's also a life threatening situation that, you know, I never thought that, you know, we would get out of. And I put in my stories you know, to be able to help someone else and just, you know, let them know what's, you know, what the, the different traumas in my life. That's, that's definitely one of them. Besides having to have a child fight childhood cancer. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot, it's a lot in this little body. <laughs> wow. My goodness. But I okay. never in a million years thought that I would write a book. Like I actually shocked myself when I started writing because I could not stop writing. Like it was like, it was meant. And I, I just let God move me. I let God yeah. move me. And I just told my story and everything is true. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it, it's my story and I hope that it helps someone else. <clears throat> All right, so let's, let's talk about why in the world did you even begin to write a book? Now, you just mentioned to us that you didn't even know that you were going to write a book, that you could or anything like that. And you just started writing. So let's go back to the point in time where life started changing. 
the things that occurred that actually got you to the point of writing a book. So what what day and point in time can you go back to and remember when, oh my goodness, boom, life just mm -hmm. changed. Life what just was changed. that? Well, actually, I'm just going to say this. I used writing after I lost my child in 2017. I used writing as a healing process for me. Yes. Like I, I actually looked at it. At first, it was just like a diary. It was just like me talking to my child and me talking to the Lord about my child. That's really how it just pretty much started. Um, when I was going through that situation, I felt really alone because... <clears throat> And I'm not going to say alone physically, but I was alone in my mind because I feel like if you never really experienced losing a child, then you wouldn't know that pain. So I bottled a lot, in, you know, up inside of me and I had to stay strong for my kids. I didn't want my kids to see me in the, you know, sad all the time or crying all the time because they were also grieving. So I used to sit and write. I used to write my feelings out and I learned that it was actually my therapy because I started feeling better when I actually started putting it into paper. Like that pain was so unbearable when I lost my child. I didn't know what to do with it. And I turned to writing for healing. <clears throat> I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I have a question for you before you get into telling us exactly the, um, the events that occurred that yeah. led up to the writing of the book. What is it you said that, you know, you guys were a grieving family, basically. What are some things that a person should not say, never say to a grieving mother? What are some things you don't ever want to hear someone say to a grieving mother? Oh, my God. Mother? Yeah, I know everybody got good intentions. Mm -hmm. But honestly, as a grieving mother, you don't want to hear they in a better place. Ooh. Or... Uh, or yeah, you don't want it not at the time, you know, you know, everyone heart is in a, but, but at that time you don't care about that, you know, because you want, you want your child, you know, at the time I had to stay completely off social media because some of those things was triggers, like they're in a better place. Um, God don't make any mistakes, stuff like that, you know, but you know, with losing my child, you know what I'm saying was, but it, that's just the anger part of grief to me but mm -hmm. those are definitely some things that grieving mothers do not want to hear <laughs> now know? what are what did you hear anything that was comforting that if you could say that someone could say to someone um honestly being completely honest when you lose a child there really ain't nothing there ain't nothing nobody could say that'll make you feel better you know so what should they do? just like pray about it. pray for me Maybe okay. me, you know, pray for me in, in private or whatever. You don't even have to get on social media and say you're praying for me. You know, sometimes I look at it like people just want to be able to say that, you know, what I'm saying or people just want to have something to say. And then when you get off that social media platform, did you really go pray? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like it's it's just at the time there is nothing nobody can say to you that'll make you feel better. And that's just. That's just how it is. But um, we did have a lot of support when we went through. And I, and, you know, I thank God for that because that's another thing that, you know, helped me get through. <clears throat> totally cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So um, what, take us back to the moment in time when, when things really changed, when you found out what? Um, when Amai had his tumor? Yeah. Okay. So... Two weeks 
prior. Now, this is in 2015. Two weeks prior to us finding out that Amaya had a tumor on his brain, um, we started to see a change in him. Um, like simple stuff. Like for one, he would keep coming to me and his dad about having a headache. And that was very un that was very um unusual to us. Two weeks prior to that, he was um experiencing headaches and he would come to his dad and I and be like, you know, he has a headache. And he started sleeping a lot. Like one time when I was cooking, I cook and then I always make all the kids' plates. And um this time my husband had his older kids over, his older brothers. And I cooked and I made everybody play and I set everybody down to the table. And I realized that Amaya would really be falling asleep in the middle of him eating his food. And that was not like him. He's always the busybody, always up. He loved food. So he's always eating and doing stuff, but he really could not be awake long enough to finish eating his food. Like he literally would fall asleep in between bites. So, you know, that look, you know, that was kind of strange to us. Other than the headaches, one day when I was driving him and his little brothers to school, he just out of nowhere started having a nosebleed. And um, like I said, all of those different things that happened within those two weeks time span, none of that was none of that was um, normal. So we end up calling the doctor and getting a doctor's appointment together. Well, before we even made it to go to the doctor that following week, when he went to school one day, um, he passed out on school. He passed out in school on the playground. And, you know, his teacher called me and she was just like, you know, Casey, I don't know what was going on. She said, I will tell you this. Before we even went out there on the playground, we were sitting, um, you know, I guess group time they were sitting there and she kept having to wake him up. Like while they were sitting there, they was playing something and she kept having to wake him up. She said, so that kind of put her antennas up too, where she had to watch him. She said, and then when they actually got on the playground, he just kind of was just like really dizzy and out of it, like really like off balance. And then he just fell out. And then she said that um, he was foaming at the mouth. So he had a seizure on the playground. So when she called me, she was just like, <clears throat> um, you know, come out, hurry out here. So I hurried up, you know, and I drove out there to the school and I got there. And when I got there, he was sitting in the front office with the teacher and the principals and them. And he looked fine. Like you couldn't tell that there was nothing. You couldn't even tell that he had just had a seizure. So, and I was talking to him. I was asking him questions. He was normal, everything. He didn't even realize that he had just had a seizure. His teacher pulled me to the side and she was like, look, what I seen right then on the playground, it was not normal. You know, take him over there and they need to run tests on him. They need to do everything they can because that just wasn't normal to me. What I seen was not normal and there is something going on. That's what his teacher told me. So on the way to the hospital, um, I was talking to him fine. He was talking to me and he, he did not know what had just happened. And he, was just, he just appeared normal. So I took him to the emergency room and... They started running tests on him. They, you know, the, the, the usual stuff. They took the urine. Um, they took some blood from him. And just looking at him, the doctor said he just looked completely fine. But when his urine came back, it had like a crazy amount of protein in his urine. That's mm -hmm. what the doctor say. I'm going to do a CAT scan. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I just kind of want to 
you know, dot all my I's and cross all my T's and make sure because this child did have a seizure and then he did have all this protein in his urine. So I'm going to do a CAT scan. He did, they did a CAT scan and 15 minutes later, I knew something wasn't right because I never forget it. Me and my child was sitting in the um, hospital room and when he came back in the room with results, it was him and two other people. Oh, you know, extra people. Like, they have extra people. Extra people. So I'm like, what in the world? You know, because the whole time it was just him. Come to find out the other two people was something called child life. And um, I'll talk more about child life um, later. But child life is, um, they kind of bring the, it's kind of like for kids, like when kids are going through like sickle cell or cancer or anything like that, anything terminal, child life come in and kind of give them like, Kind of like their counseling, they keep them, they bring them toys and, you know, they, they kind of keep them occupied. But they came in with them and the doctor was just like, they took him out of the room and they talked to me. And he just told me, you know, um, Amaya has a tumor on his brain, you know, and my first reaction was, you know, what, what kind of a tumor, you know, where, where did that come from? They didn't know. They was just like, it was as big as a golf ball. It was huge. And they glad that I brought him in there because he has to have emergency brain surgery. Like, just like that, he has to have emergency brain surgery. Um, I broke down crying. I didn't know what to do. I was up there by myself. Um, my husband was at work. So, um, you know, I stepped out and I called, you know, my family for, you know, for support for them to come up there. I called my husband so he can come up there and I had to just break the news to everybody. But after that day, that very not that. OK, so that was um, September 21st, 2015, mm -hmm. September 23rd, 2015. He had emergency brain surgery. Okay. Um. When he had the brain surgery, like I said, it was the size of a golf ball and a part of the tumor, brain surgery was like, I, I know like seven hours. Underground Biz Group. Underground Biz Group. Me and my husband was surrounded by family. Everybody came up there at six o'clock in the morning to be there. I remember everybody, you know, in the waiting room saying a prayer. We all joined like a prayer circle and we said a prayer and we just all just waited for, you know, them to tell us, you know, the surgery was over. Um, um, yeah, so uh, we end up having it when they came back and they told us that the surgery was over. We end up, me and my husband end up having to talk to the doctors again. And they had to let us know, you know, they were able to get majority of the tumor off of his brain. But a part of the tumor that was on his brain was sitting on his brain stem. And they made a decision in the operating room not to cut that because, you know, that's your functioning. They made a decision not to cut that. They explained to us, well, we had to leave that part up there. Now, no biopsy or nothing has been done on the tumor yet. So they don't even know if it's a cancerous tumor. So. With the surgery that they did, if it ended up being a benign tumor, not a cancerous tumor, he would have been fine. But being that it came back a cancerous tumor, that's when we had to start our treatments and stuff because remember they ended up leaving some on his brain. Mm -hmm. They took, they gave us pictures and everything. They took a part, a huge chunk of my son's brain out of his head. Yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't even have thought 
Cause they, they, you know, they, they went into the spiel and talked to us about, um, he probably would be a little slower. You know, he probably ain't gonna, probably won't be the same in school and because they took so much. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> he went right back to just, he, he was like a miracle. Like you wouldn't have, to, you wouldn't have known that they took so much of his brain out itself. And when he would just, he had no filter. Now, if he saw you and he wanted to say something, that I said, I said that's the part that they took right there because <laughs> they took that part because he said what he want to say. But other than that, his learning and all of that, all of that was fine. And they told us in the beginning that 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 was going to change because of how much they took. Okay. Okay. Um, after brain surgery or whatever, we had to stay in the hospital for. I wanted to say about three weeks to a month. And um, they just was trying to, you know, just after a normal surgery, he got to get back to, you know, his self or whatever. And in those three weeks, they had sent the um, the cultures off so we can see if it was cancerous or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up coming, up, coming back can- cancerous after numerous of tests got done and actually when the test actually came back and it was cancerous his doctor sent it back off so he can get second opinions and third opinions to be able to really grade the cancer like you don't want to misdiagnose a child so he was very like on top of that he went yes he told us it was cancer but he still wouldn't tell us okay what kind of cancer what grade of cancer nothing because he wanted to get other how he put it he wanted to get other eyes to look at it you know just make sure um, it ended up coming back to be something called anaplastic astrocytoma. And that is a very aggressive grade three brain cancer. And that's a big word. It's a big word. It's a, They all are big words. <laughs> but I was like, what is that? That's what it was. So from the time we got the results back, then we had to get a treatment plan together. And the doctor would talk, sat down and taught us about the treatment plan. Amaya had to have um, 36 radiation treatments, and I had to take him into the Leo Jenkins Cancer Center every day. We went every day, and he had to have radiation on his brain. Um, For people who don't know what radiation is, um, those kids, they make masks. And with him, he had to have a face mask because it was on his brain. And they go in, they do the mold, and they make the mask. And then every time he get his radiation, they put him in this big MRI tube. Amai used to call it a donut. He used to say, I got to go in the donut. <laughs> I got to go in the donut today. But, yeah, they put him in the MRI tube, and then they just, you know, they do the uh, radiation, the treatment on him. His, we couldn't go in the room, but we could sit outside the room and watch him. The room was very How long dark. Was he in that mach- in the donut? Forty-five minutes. Okay. He had to be in there for forty-five minutes. And what they do is because they're kids, some kid, you know, he's in a room by himself. It's, it was dark in the room. You hearing different loud machines, and then it got like green zaps, like so it looked kind of like a spaceship. But my, I call it a donut. But they give him, they gave him this push toy because we can be right outside the room watching him. They gave him this push toy. They give all the kids push toys. So if they see the kid pushing the toy, like I said, the kid got to go to the bathroom within the 45 minutes. They'll stop the treatment or just being antsy and just, you know how kids are. He never pushed the push toy. Not one time. He never put, he did it 36 times and that boy did not push that push toy not one time. They loved him over there in there. 
So not only did we have to have the 36 radiation treatments, we had to, we had to have an oral chemo. So I had to take him after taking him the radiation every day. I had to at night give him an oral chemo, and that's when the side effects. I never forget the very first time I gave him the oral chemo. I gave it to him probably about 9:30. I know about 10 o'clock he threw up. He threw up from 10 o'clock to 8 o'clock in the morning. Like is that a is that a pill or is it liquid? It was or it was liquid. He wasn't. Okay. He didn't take a pill. It was just liquid, and I would give it to him. And um, those side effects when those kids take that chemo, those side effects kick right in. And I never ever in a million years seen anybody throw up that much. Like I never forget it. He threw up from the time I gave it to him to the next morning. Hmm. And I never forget, my husband came home that night from work, and we had the hardest time when we first gave him the chemo. We I never forget, we was in the living room, and we were just going back and forth. We were going back and forth. We had a chair, I mean, yeah, a chair, and then it was two chairs, like, across from each other. And then we went and got the trash can, and then we had to put something over the trash can. And every 10 minutes, that child threw up. Wow. So we were just going back and forth. Um, my husband ended up getting the mattress out of there, out of the boys' room, and putting it in the middle of the floor because you know we got tired. <laughs> you know, every he was tired, we was tired, we was emotional, we both were crying. It even went to a point where he just picked them up and held them. You know, he just picked them up and held them like we was up all night long. And like I said, we had radiation every morning. So when I first would give him his chemo, he would be dehydrated so bad. I had to call him the very first night. I had to call the doctor back. Like, we literally been up all night and he been throwing up. Like, we got radiation today. The doctor told me, well, if he been throwing up all night, he got to be dehydrated. So you need to bring him back in the PDA. And then, of course, they got to give him fluids and stuff. Like so many times we did it until they found a good nausea medicine that, you know, played good with his system. We went through about five before we found a good one. And I never forget the name of it because it was like a lifesaver to me. It was called Kytro. That's the one that helped my anything else did not help my Zofrin. Uh, what was another name? It was a, it was a whole lot of different names. Um, but Kytro, it helped. But we went through like. Girl, make sure five. you po put a post up about that. that <laughs> yeah, because it's up. a lot of mother. It's a lot of mothers and fathers that's going through what I went through, and I right. feel so sorry for them. But Kytro, you know, everybody's system different. But for my child, Kytro helped him, and then I, I thank God because. For months, I had to go through putting, giving him chemo, and then he throwing up all night. And then I got to get up and I got to take him to P day, and then I got to take him to radiation, and it, it was just terrible. And then because he had brain surgery, he also had to do physical therapy. He had therapy, okay. like he had um, rehab, and he had to go back in, and they had to make sure he was walking again, you know, because he had brain surgery. So I. Those times were so exhausting. That's why my heart really go out to those parents that's going through it now. Cause I see so many of them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, it, it, it was terrible. So well, let me let me say this. Um how are you able to tell the stories that you're able to share with us right now? Does it have every 
thing to do with you want to make sure other people are really informed. Like, tell me, tell me how do I you? Mean, I got the strength to do it. Get I the strength. I don't know. I have no idea. Everybody asked me that. Like, how are you so calm? And how are you so this? Y'all see, I went through like the dark stage where I could not. It was times where I could not hear my son name without crying. It was times where I could not look at pictures without crying. It was times I was a nervous wreck. Like I was a wreck. A lot of people did not see that because I'm a very isolated person. Like I isolated myself out from everybody when I lost my child. Like that's no lie. The only people that could tell you the dark, ugly, like the real pain that I was going through is my kids, my husband and my mom. Outside of that, I always kept a smile on my face. You know, I, I I put the face on, but I was really hurting in the inside. But it's been four years now, and I've learned a lot in those four years. Oh, tell I us learned, what you learned. Tell us what you learned. I learned the, the real about childhood cancer. I would say okay. that. Um, and when you learn the real story behind childhood cancer and having a child that went through it and seeing other children constantly going through the same thing you want to help the next person you know you want to you you got to be their voice i feel like i have to be my son's voice my son was a child and the things that these kids go through it's not fair you know, it's not fair, but if their mothers and their fathers or whoever taking care of them at the time don't stand up and really let people know what is really, you know, the ugly, harsh reality of childhood cancer, then nobody will never know and there never will be a change made. Um, but one, I learned that childhood cancer research only gets 4%. Terrible. That is, when I learned that, <laughs> that was like, it made me angry. I'm going to be honest. It made me angry. It's hurtful because it's kind of like <clears throat> those kids fight and they really don't have no help. They don't have no help. Like mm -hmm. breast cancer is popular. You know, breast cancer is the popular cancer and kids get cancer everywhere. You could get on some of these advocate pages on Instagram or on anyway, you know, Instagram. I started finding them on Instagram. And these, it's, it's sad. It would change your life if you go to the hospital and you go on the cancer floor, on the KISU unit. Those kids up there don't have no help. Like, when a child get cancer, it's just like they get their death sentence. You know, and, and it's just not fair. And then they, it would never be, uh, you know, you know how they say cancer don't have a cure. But y'all not even funding it you know for someone to even really figure out what's going on you know four percent is nothing that's four pennies that's four pennies out of a dollar you know what i'm saying and it just make you so angry and it make you want to stand up and try to save the next child life you know because I, my story believe it or not is similar to a whole lot of other mother's story that went through childhood cancer and i mm -hmm. found so many mothers and fathers that's going through the exact same thing you know what i'm saying and they are trying to do the same thing like they're they're being childhood cancer advocates 
Um, they're speaking about it. They're video videoing their child, the harsh reality of what their child actually going through. Now, looking back, because I always say it's hard for me to grow my social media audience when it comes to Instagram. So I started looking at, I took your advice. I started looking at, you know, the different mothers that's going through it, like as of right now and seeing yeah. the difference in what they're doing and what I was doing, but what I'm doing now, being that my son's fight was four years ago. I don't have anything to record like him throwing up or him doing this or him doing that. But looking back, honestly, I still would not record him doing that. You know what I'm saying? Those kids, they but you have, know what? even even though you haven't recorded it, you yeah. you just telling short stories. It is just it's, little short stories. I've be been really looking cool. at some of those women, and I feel so bad for them because it's the same thing. It's the yeah, same. But you know what? Tell your story, Casey. Tell yeah. it do a little short video, and that mm -hmm. way people can like research it. Uh -huh. I don't know. Type in hashtag throwing up with cancer. Yeah, find your video and you'll tell that medication that Hi, was the one that worked. You know what I'm saying? Like you mm -hmm. the little you can still do little things. And I, I mm -hmm. see you moving, I see you doing things, and I'm yeah. I'm proud of you for Thank being you. able to be out here and, and say anything to help anyone else. Cause yes. I, I know that everything that you're doing is not in vain right now. Yes. And it's and like I tell my husband all the time, it's not even about book sales. You know, it's about the story behind the book. Like I want people to actually read this story and really I, I want I need that four percent to change. I don't know what I what need can to you do about it. What can I actually what it, what are you aiming to do now? I just want to just continue. I'm I'm just hoping the Lord just continue to give me a you know, give me a platform, continue to send to people like you, like podcasts. And the more people I hear it, I feel like the more people that actually know these kids really don't get before 4%, you know what I'm saying? That'll make people want to do something. Like I'm hoping that it reach someone that with a bigger platform than me. And then that'll bring more traction to me. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's not about book sales with me. It's about helping the next child because I can't, what I'm doing now, I can't bring my child back. Right. But I can help save another life if people mm -hmm. know what's really going on. Those kids don't have no help when they fight cancer. They don't. And it's not fair that those mothers and fathers have to visit their kids in those grades because they don't get funding for their research. Like, yeah. why? You know why? It makes you angry. I went into the stage where I was angry, but now I'm just in the stage now where I just want, I just tell all, you know? So that's why when people say, well, why are you so strong? Like, I can't. Everything that I went through in my house, you you wouldn't know if I didn't tell you. You know what I'm saying? You would not know. So, and I feel like I got a real crazy theory that that's why I was put through. You know, I, it's, it's a reason behind everything. You know, God saw something in me that I didn't see in myself because I did not ever think I would ever get over it. Like, I miss my ch child every second of the day. Like not well, you still will. You still will. Every day. Not a day goes by that I do not think about my child. I miss him so much. But I feel like he would be so proud of me if I could help someone else. If I could help the next child. You know? Mm -hmm. And you know, in honoring him. In honoring him, keeping his name alive. Yeah, I just that's just how I feel. And I just feel like I was supposed to do it. That's really how well, I feel. Um, have you figured out exactly who you need to go to to make these these uh, changes in the four percent? I do not. 
I have not. I've been just. Listen, if anyone is listening and you know who Casey should be speaking to, please, I want you to reach out to her. How can they actually connect with you to, mm-hmm. to be able to let you know if they have found out anything that can push this along? Mm-hmm. And it's like, like I said, learning the ugly reality of child cancer, it makes you so mad. Like, um, <clears throat> some of the chemo that they give you, it's so old. The medicine that they give the kids, it's old. It haven't been changed in mm-hmm. years. It haven't been changed. And the medicine that they give these kids, it make them sicker. And it can also cause another cancer. That's why so many kids' story is similar. Like they'll go through, you know, go get get diagnosed with cancer, go through all their treatments, do everything that they're supposed to do, go into this false hope, which is remission for a couple months or a couple, you know, years. Some of them get years. But then it comes back and it's more aggressive and it just take over and it kills. That's how their stories are. And it's sad. It's sad. It's like, why? Because you're really giving them medicine that you know that's not going to help them. You know? And then in the end, they're going to end up taking, before my son died, he was taking about 12 medicines a day. Because when you give him this, it does this. Like when you give him chemo, it can lock up his bowels. It locks up his bowels, then he can't use the bathroom. Now he got to take stool softeners and stuff like that. Now he got to take seizure medicine. He got secretion in his mouth. He got to take that. He got to take nausea medicine. He got to take stuff for his appetite. Like it's everything is a domino effect and everything have a side effect. So they just end up just giving these kids just pills all day long. So it makes a lot for uh, for one child. That's a lot for one person, more or less a child. And then when you actually got to hear your child tell you, I did everything I was supposed to do. My son used to have those talks with me like, why is it back? And then I can't answer that. I, you know, that's heartbreaking. But he asked me that. I did every, I did it right. I beat it because he beat it for eight months. Okay. Like after radiation and chemo, he went into remission for eight months. And he was so excited about going into remission. <laughs> he was so excited. He ran up to the um, PE teacher in school and told him, I beat cancer. You know, he was excited. Oh. Yeah. So it was very heartbreaking for him to know that he did everything that he could do. And it came back. Like, changes, I changed his diet. Like... It, we did everything that we was told to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, I just want to be, I just want to make a change and be able to help somebody else because these kids die every day. Every mm-hmm. day. <laughs> well, Casey, I was asking for you to leave your information um, here so that if anyone has any information, they can get in touch with you. With you. How would they do that? Um, Instagram, of course. Um, my Instagram is um, at Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, underscore Langley, L-A-N-G-L-E-Y, 923. And I have a Twitter, but I don't get up there. So I ain't even going to say nothing about okay. Twitter. Okay. And my email, you can um, reach me at my email address. My email address is Casey, C-A-S-E-Y, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, 6108 at yahoo.com. So you can, you know, reach out. I'm, I'm pretty. I check Instagram all the time, and I'm, I'm always checking my email. So, okay, all right, yeah. awesome. So tell us, um, you ended up writing a book. Mm-hmm. What day did you start writing the book? 
Do you remember? I don't. Um, okay, so my book got published twice. Um, the very first time my book got published, it was like a local publisher around here that published it and he did very awesome like very very awesome so my book got published first independently um in uh, april of 2020 okay um i reached out to jessica watkins on instagram and she responded and she read the story and she loved the story it touched on her heart and she just told me you know i can help you get it to a further you know i can get it help you get it to a further reach mm -hmm. so i had to take my book back down and um get it republished by her under her company so i had to change my cover and all of that um and she republished it in october of 2020 but i started writing it let me see. I published it in April. I started writing my book. I want to say in August of 2019. And honestly, when I actually sat down and focused up and got out of my feelings, it, it would it wouldn't even took that long. But a lot of times I got stuck. Because now, how long was that between um from from the moment that he was gone until you wrote the book? He passed in 2017, so two years. I started writing okay. my book in 2019, the end of 2019, so maybe like September 2019 or August 2019, and then it published for the first time April 2020. So it took me a couple months. But like I said, if I went got stuck, because I got stuck because I really had a book like that, I really had to like go back. I had to go back. I had to relive those feelings. Every everything that happened, I had to relive those moments. And I got I got emotional. A lot of times I would stop. I would put it up. One time I couldn't do it anymore. You know what I'm saying? But I had to really go back. Like I was sick. I was sip my wine. And <laughs> I play my music. I like to play mm -hmm. my music that get me in my feelings about him. But then a lot of times I got in my feelings too much and then I couldn't finish. So, but if I would have actually sat and focused up, I would have been finished. Oh, well, it happened the, exactly the way it was supposed it happened to. How it, was supposed yeah, to. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. yeah. But I'm glad that you mentioned um, that it was therapeutic and, um, yes. and dang, two, almost two years before you actually got your yeah, therapeutic thing going on. That's like, wow. Um, yes. I don't want to imagine what those days were like. From that moment, all we I don't even want to try to imagine. I, I don't even want to do it. it was so, but I'm glad that you got to the point of being able to actually write and just kind of let it out and um and, and kind of just start to move forward. I know that it's I'm, I'm sure it's, it's not still not easy, as you said, but mm -hmm. I'm glad you had that particular thing that you could do. So mm -hmm. you told us that you published the book and then. Um, the other young lady republished it under her company. Was there mm -hmm. a difference in that? Where did things? Uh, it was a difference. Yes, okay. it was a difference. It got to a much, much further reach. Cause here it was just kind of locally. You know, I, okay. my name is my name ain't big, so it was just kind of locally. I did have so much support here, so I never take nothing away from that. But with just the Watkins, it got to a much further reach. It did really good. Book sales went really good. It went number one. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it went number one for probably about, I think it was like two weeks. 
Um, okay. If I'm not mistaken, but it did go number one. So yes, I thank God for her and her publishing team because it it did. She did get it to a further reach. Okay. So so now that the book has gone further, um, are you doing like what what what's happening with the book now? Are you doing any book signings? I know. So you know this timeline that you're giving us. It basically was when COVID started. When you started writing a book. Yes. So yeah, I had so. I had to cancel my book signing. When I first published my book, I had a book signing set with the school. Um, the school, okay, let me tell you about the school. The school was a huge support when I was going through with the mind. The teachers treated my family like family. I love their life. They actually let me have my son's funeral in the school, in the gym. What? In the gym, his funeral. That's how Pat kids funeral, which the funeral is still a blur to me. And I still have yet to get the courage to watch the videos. But to hear other people say it, the gym bleachers was completely packed on both sides. So, yeah, the teachers let me have his funeral at the school. It's called Wintergreen Primary. So what I did was when I wrote my book, I asked them, could I have my book signed in there? But like you said, it was in the middle of COVID. And it had to get canceled. But I have a, um, I'm going to the Chicago Expo. The Chicago Expo, which is like all the authors that's up under Jessica Watkins, that's kind of like their book signing. You know, all the authors, she had plenty of authors up under her um, company. And um, I'm one of them. So she told me the beginning, that's kind of like the book signing for everybody. It's not like an individual book sign. You could do that if you want to do it yourself. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Um, gonna, that's I'm coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's coming up August 29th. So I fly out to Chicago and finally get to meet her because she's so sweet. I love her. And, yeah. um, you know, being with in her group, in her publishing group, I got to meet a whole lot of other different, you know, authors, Phoenix Daniels, Honey, like those people. Like I look, I read their books, you know, I look up to them. So I'm so mm -hmm. excited and honored to be able to go and meet them. So I will be in Chicago on the 29th with books on hand. And that's when I do my book signing. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I, now I want to ask you, you know, this podcast is called Entrepreneurs Speak. And I remember when we first um, started talking, you were like, I don't really consider myself really as an entrepreneur because you're like, I'm a mom. I have this story. I just wrote a book because of it. But well, aren't you an entrepreneur? I am. Yes, I am. I am. I am. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to, for you to own up to that because it is, it is an amazing space to be in. And I'm it really is. proud that you were able to be on Entrepreneur Speak. So, you, you know, the moment that you sell a book and I understand that your book is in place because of everything that has occurred, you must continue to let your son his and his amazing um, personality live on and um, to continue to tell his story so that people know what they should and should not do, um, you know, so that someone will hear and they'll get to the point that they will up that 4%. Like we need that 4% to change. So yeah. I'm really glad that you're doing that, but it's really cool that you're able to actually put it in the space of entrepreneurship where you can actually sell the book and be able to, you know, get some funds from, from this book. So I'm excited about that, even though it's not about the money. Mm, it's not to me. It's a bigger purpose. <laughs> to me, it's a bigger purpose. That's, so I what are you going to do? do? 
Huh. So tell me what else are you gonna do with the book? And then I want to ask you about some other stuff. Um, what what else are you gonna what's what's what else are you planning to do to make sure the book is out there so people get to actually see and hear what you want them to see and hear? Um I I don't know if I want to say that though. <laughs> you, oh, know how you, put, you know how you premature announcements yes, kind of yes. just bring negative energy and I don't know if I want to say it because it's not signed and sealed, but I do have, I took your advice again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I went on Clubhouse and that has been amazing for me. I have met some real deal people on Clubhouse and got some real deal connections on Clubhouse. And a lot of people are talking about some good things when I moved to, you know, Atlanta. So I would just say that I don't really want to, say, but there, there is something else I am going to do with the book. Okay. All right. Look, yeah, I'm, I just want to know, I just want to know that there's going to be some more movement because um, yes, there's just so definitely. much more that's about to happen. Definitely. Yeah. Underground Biz Group. Underground Biz Group. So um, I, without leaving out the family part, um, like what's going on with everybody? Like how's everybody doing from that moment up until now? I, I know that it can't be easy, but how's everybody doing? Um, now it's, we all take it day to day. We all take it day to day. Um, only people I can really speak on is my kids, you know, my husband, uh, my daughter had it, my daughter and Shoot, they all had a real hard time with it. My, my daughter really, really had a real hard time with it where she was really unfocused at one point. But she's taking it day by day. You know, we all still have our days. I still, you know, have to go there with them sometimes when they're crying and stuff like that. But they are more, my kids are so supportive of what I'm doing now, Tyne and their brother. So they are more, uh, Ma, you got to talk about this. You got to talk about that. One of my sons, Tyler, was just like, Ma, you kind of got to be careful with what you're saying because, you know, you know, and I was like, yeah, you're right. But they are supportive about what I'm trying to do, you know, now yeah, that we yeah. know the story behind everything and it's all honoring him. So they all about honoring him, too. You know, we still go to the cemetery all the time, change out his flowers. It used to be times where we went to the cemetery and all of us end up wet face. But, you know, oh, we can't yeah. we cannot do it. Like go to the cemetery. We'd be crying. Now we go to the cemetery. We laughing. we talking to him just like he's there. Leave mm -hmm. his flowers. You know, it's it's just different. They are healing. They are healing. I thank God. My husband is still one that do not like the cemetery. Um, He goes. But my husband still ain't in the space that I'm in. But he's the one that likes to be strong for me. You know, but he does have, he, I'm, I'm more healing, you know, and I don't know where the strength came from. I just say God himself <laughs> and my, yeah. because Marty was very strong and me saying that every day, you know, I feel like I can't be weak and, you know, I really got my strength for him, but my husband has a lot of days, you know, he, he still is really, he, he grieve a lot. You know what I'm saying? He grieve a lot. He's not in this happy place where I'm at, but he also is 100% supportive of what I'm doing to honor, you know, our child or whatever. And like I said, he's always just trying to stay strong for us. But um, yeah, y'all walk out for him. Y'all give him lots of hugs and yes. smiles and all of yes. that good stuff because he just yeah, on each other. 
Yeah, we yeah. lean on each other. We lean on each other. When I'm when I'm having my days, he got my back. When he having his days, I got his back. And that's just kind of how it is. We both realize that this ain't nothing that's just going to go away. You know right. what I'm saying? Because on my birthday just passed, he would have been 13 years old. His birthday was June the 1st, and he would have been 13. So that was a really hard day for me. And then his death day came back around May 16th. Um, that that made four years. So a whole lot of things are triggers. And we just realized that that's just something you're going to take day by day. That's the pain that's never going to go away. But it gets easier to cope with. And we just lean on each other. So we all just, you know, have each other back. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm so grateful for your positivity and mm-hmm. um, all of your honesty with us um, here. I want to now talk about the other entrepreneurship part of you that's coming <laughs> out like okay so you you've been saying this thing very lightly since we've been here like yeah the things that we're doing to honor a mind <laughs> what else is happening i know there's something coming down the pipeline it's not it's not in your hand but mm-hmm. what, what's coming up i'm excited um, for you Yes, we are very excited. I am, me and my husband to business together and we're starting a lipstick brand, lip gloss brand in honor of not only Amai, his grandmother that passed away. And we came up with eight special colors that kind of, it's kind of like it's sentimental. For one, it's called Lips from Heaven Cosmetics, you know, because, you know, we're honoring our angels. But we came up with colors that was, special from the two of them like my husband came up we have a green and a purple and those are the colors my husband picked out for his grandmother um there are all different types of cancer ribbon colors so one of them is gold which is pediatric cancer that's honoring all kids that fight any type of cancer they got and um you go gold in september so my uh, lipstick line will have a gold called go gold Cause they go, they say go goals, go go for kids with cancer. So the gold is called go go. So I definitely have a gold. I have a gray, um, which is the brain cancer ribbon, and I call that one storm. And the reason why I call that one storm because that's the color that brought the storm into our life. Um, I have a lip gloss, just a clear lip gloss, and that's because you got some people that don't wear lipstick, and you got people that just, you know, just gloss. So we definitely have a gloss and we named that one um, Clear Future because that's how we're looking at it. We don't know what the future is going to hold with everything and just positive. Like the clear stands for the positive vibes, you know, Um, red. If everything, my son colors, anything that anytime we did anything that had anything to do with my son when, when he was fighting, his color was red, blue and yellow. We didn't do yellow. We did the gold. But the red, I always look at him like my Superman. And I've called him my Superman then, and I still call him my Superman now. So we named that color Superman Red. And that also has to do with him. Amaya's favorite color was blue. And I have a blue. And I just named out Mighty Blue. That's his name, Mighty Blue. So everything, yeah, everything is just centered around him. We just still trying to, you know, do things to honor them. And like, that's all I want to do. I feel like his name will continue to live on because we're going to continue to, you know, do it through us. I feel like a person never really dies if you constantly keep bringing them up, keep keeping their spirit alive. And mm-hmm. I got that from my kids, um, my daughter and my son's day was watching Netflix. And there is a 
animated movie and it's called Coco. And I guess they watched it and it helped them. So they was like, mom, you need to watch this movie. And when I watched that movie, when I it was it's a cartoon, but it's a great movie for someone that's grieving the loss of anybody. Oh. I definitely recommend that movie. Go, you should go and watch it. That's a it, good thing. It makes you think. It's called Coco, and it's about life after death. And that mm. was another healing process. Like that actually helped me too. Like to look at it differently. So now that's why I'm constantly. Constantly, 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 just a my, 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 Everything we doing is for him. Like he did not fight for nothing, you know. Not mm-hmm. he did. He just did. But definitely go watch Coco. Ooh, that sounds cute. <laughs> definitely go watch Coco. My kids like you gotta watch it, and it helped me. They don't even know they helped me. <laughs> so you know, um, I, I'm just seeing. You know, you you said you made a clear lip gloss, and uh-huh. I'm sure there are some young girls who shouldn't be wearing red. Mm-hmm. I can see you developing your lip gloss once it comes in and you going into the hospital and just going in and just passing out some mm-hmm. to some of the young girls yeah. and giving them the clear to just get yeah. them that little piece of future. And make them feel, yeah, and just make them yeah. feel beautiful because like I said, some of those kids, when they're taking that chemo and stuff, their hair is falling out. And a lot, yeah, a lot, of, the little girls, yeah, a lot of the little girls got to go bald. So, yes, I definitely see myself going in the hospital trying to, you know, just make them feel confident about their stuff again. Because I know my son lost his confidence and he was very self-conscious when he started losing his hair. Um, he used to wear fitted hats. That's something else I want to do. Um, when I actually get my, because me and my hus- husband want to start a foundation in honor of him called Amaya's Mission. Okay. And I was trying to think of a neat way to do something and give back to the other kids that's fighting, right? And it clicked. Hats. And the reason why I say hats, because if anybody know Amaya, everybody know that Amaya was my cool dude. He ain't go nowhere without his fitted hat. He had his hands in his pocket, his hoodie on, that was Amaya. And I know when he was fighting, why he used to wear those hats, he was self-conscious. So when you think about it, it's so many kids that's up there fighting and little girls got to go bald, you know? Little girls have to go bald and they, they they don't feel beautiful anymore. So I want to give hats. I want to give hats because you know what I think of? They want to cover it. Yeah, they do. But I think mm-hmm. of two things. Um, one is that um, the hat is very comfy because mm-hmm. um, me coming from the beauty industry, I actually used to service uh, women who lost their hair due to cancer and mm-hmm all of those different um those different illnesses so um that was my my, my thing i did hair loss and oh. and I, I did it because i never i don't know if i shared this with you but one of the reasons why i really got into it my mother-in-law ended up um having cancer three times before she passed away uh-huh. so she had breast cancer twice and then she had brain cancer so Ooh. i made wigs for for her throughout you know i did her hair since i was very young uh-huh. But um, I made wigs for her throughout the whole time. And even when she passed away, I was the one that went to service her. And I made a wig for her, but I didn't have to make a whole wig. I only made the wig from the front, uh-huh. uh, from the middle of the head to the front. I, I didn't have to make it for the back. Uh-huh. So I, I don't tell that story too often. But mm-hmm. um, I went in and I did her hair. I made a wig for her right there and put uh-huh. it on her and did her hair before her funeral and everything. But... um. 
the whole thing with someone who's living with cancer, um, their skin is very sensitive. Yeah. And um, so the hat that they put on, it needs to be very comfortable. So it's got to mm-hmm. be cushiony inside. Yeah. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about that. Then I thought about um, if if there could be hair on hanging off of the hat, too. It's mm-hmm. just a thought. Just me. All of that stuff. Yes, because those little girls, some of them got to go completely bald and they don't like it. My yeah. son, where he had to get radiation, that he didn't go completely bald. I will say that Marty wasn't one of the kids that went completely bald. His hair will fall out around the back, around the sides. And the school, when he got to go back to school after, like when he went into remission, the school, so he went and feel left out. They let the whole school wear fitted hats. Let let them wear hats, whatever kind of hat. He went and looked like so. He went and feel left out. They let everybody in the school wear hats. Even some of the teachers wore hats. So like they were super supportive. So that's why I said hats. That is like a trademark for mine because yeah, I can see it. Yep. Yeah, so it's a lot of wow. things. I, it's a lot of things that I want to do. <laughs> a lot of yeah. Things well, I love that you have energy. I love yeah. that um you're using everything that has occurred um mm-hmm. to to just you know continue on to develop more energy to keep showing up, and um I'm I'm just excited about your mission. So. I hope you have a number in mind for how many people you want to reach and um, that and what's the percentage that you want to see that the four goes up to at least by a certain time, because, you know, that's something that can definitely be reached. Mm-hmm. So I know it's, I know those things that you have um, on your plate are going to start to blow up. Everything's going to be beautiful. So mm-hmm. and I'm hoping, you know, new scenery, you know, big city. You know, I'm just, I'm just hoping, you know, new opportunities. Oh, let's chat about that real quick. You're moving. Yeah, new opportunities. Yes. You're moving. Why did you choose where you're moving to? Um, why do we, I get, I think I just, <laughs> just excited by Atlanta. I don't know. Me and my husband just picked Atlanta. Like, that's where we want to go. It wasn't no real, um, it wasn't real, no real reason. We just knew it was just time for a change because I'm from North Carolina. Um. I reside in a little city called Greenville. So small, not big at all. I've been to Greenville. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's just, (laughs) it's small, not big at all. I feel like I can't get the, I can't get how I want to get here, you know? So I'm like, it's time to to take my talent somewhere else. (laughs) But yeah, that's just kind of how it is. And not only that, we just want to give our kids a fresh start. You know, even if it wasn't Atlanta, we were still leaving out North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? We're still living out Greenville, but we just chose land just because, and I'm excited. We're excited. My kids excited. I hope they go there and they adapt really well, you know, in school because I have a son that'll be 12 tomorrow and um, he's going to be in the sixth grade. And then my my youngest son is 10 and he will be in the fourth grade. And, you know, I have a daughter that's 18, but um, she don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> she don't want to go. You know how it is when they get older and they got their own life. She got her own place. So she's like, nah, I might come, but not right now. So okay. just my kids. I just hope that they get there and, you know, they really, they love it because they're excited about it. So I hope we don't have no issues. And I'm just ready to get there and work. I'm ready to get there and network. I can't wait to go to Chicago so I can network and meet all the authors, you know, that I actually read their books. Like, that's like a I, I'm so honored. You know what I'm saying? I'm so honored and I'm excited about everything. And I just hope, like you said, a number, like I just want the story to just blow up. Just millions and millions of people. Like I told you last time, I'm determined to get on Ellen. 
<laughs> yes, come on with Ellen. Ellen. I'm, I'm determined. I'm determined. Yes. Yes. It, it will happen. Yeah. All right. Well, um, this has been amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to be here to share your story. And um, everyone that's listening, guys, listen up. This is something that, um, you know, she couldn't prevent. She's worked through it. She's still working through it. She has her family. Everybody is up and rolling. And if you're listening, use a little bit of her story for some hope for you and your family that you guys can move forward. You can figure some things out. Um, listen to some of the things that she shared about the specifics about the story. And if any of you want to join her on the journey to make things better for anyone that comes behind any of your children, please join her, connect with her. So Casey, give your information one more time and um, let them know where to find you and where to find your book and your lip gloss is coming out. So we can't say much, but if you stay in touch with her on her IG, she'll be posting, of course. So where um, can they find you on IG and where is your book? Um, you can, my book is currently on Amazon. Um, you can get it in Kindle or paperback version. And I'll, I have it right here just for you guys. And it's called? Heaven Need a Hero by Casey Langley. The my cop story and this is what it looks like um you can find me on instagram my instagram again is at casey c-a-s-e-y underscore langley l-a-n-g-l-e-y 923 and my email address is casey c-a-s-e-y marie m-a-r-i-e 6108 at yahoo.com and yeah you can reach out to me on email or instagram um like i said i check both all right. Well, thank you again and much success to you and everything that is to come and much success on that move. Yes. I'll see I, you because you are always in Atlanta. So I might. Okay. I might see you. I might see yes. You. I would love to see you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Some of these hats and stuff. Maybe we can get together and do something. And, okay. You know, yeah. I'm always awesome. learning from boss chicks like you, you know, boss <laughs> women. I'm the type of person, put me in a room with somebody that's doing better than me so I can learn. You know, that's how I am. I'm always up to learning. And, um, I'm, yes, very open to learning something new. Yeah, me too. We're, we're one in the same. I'm always looking for the yes. next level, the right connections and all yes. of that great stuff. So, yes, yes. that's me. All right. <laughs> well, um, we are definitely staying in touch so I can find out what is happening um, upcoming, you know, in the near future. So okay. um, thank you again. And um, like you. I said, much success to you. All thank right, guys. You. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, we're closing out another episode of Entrepreneur Speak with Tamika James. We will see you on the next go round. Mm -hmm. <laughs>